Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to All Films Are Bad with Tom and Seth. I'm one of your hosts, Seth Moses. And I'm your other host, Tom Phelan. Wow. And today we are discussing Chantal Ackerman's 1977 movie, News yes. From Home, um, which News Tom home. made me watch. Um, and it's, oh, okay. My cat is on the table. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to get in. He, wants he to, loved this movie. He loved this movie. He did actually enjoy it. He was sitting on my, my belly for a lot of it. Okay, so. I actually want to talk about that. I think this is a movie. So one of my favorite film critics, Bilga Abiri, mm-hmm. wrote this. Um, he wrote the Criterion essay for this Kiristami movie, 24 Frames, okay. which is a lot like News from Home in that it's like a lot of stag- – it's like 24 stagnant shots of like – landscape with horses or like us nice. like it's like 20 it's like a very long very like contemplative kind of movie like that mm-hmm. and he his whole criterion essay is about how when he was watching it his cat who is deaf sat oh my god i'm so sorry of the tv and every incarnation of it what has some watching? sort of old Hollywood camp to it. And, and Bradley Cooper, because of his prestige... This is Nympho Wars, uh, but I... Wars? I don't <laughs> know where the Nympho Wars is coming from. I'm so sorry. Oh my god, I can't believe we're going to get shut down by the FBI for... Okay, okay, it's coming from iTunes. our own podcast. Okay, all right. I'm sure the Nympho Wars ladies will be okay with that little cameo that they just had because <laughs> iTunes open. He's keeping it on my computer. I'm so sorry. Okay, it's so, so good. So this film critic. Anyway, was, yes. his deaf cat sat for like a large chunk of the film, wrapped in front of the TV, watching it. Wow. Because it's like the kind of thing a cat would love to watch, yeah. and I think that's a really high compliment to pay a film. Absolutely. Like, in the way that when, like, Lucretia Martel has her whole thing about, like, if you fall asleep at a movie, that's a compliment. It yeah. means you were comfortable enough. I felt that with this movie, watching it the second time. For sure. I met this um, composer one time whose name I don't remember, but he told me that he feels that, like, and this is basically the same as the falling asleep in a movie comment, but that, like, um, if a work is boring, that's not necessarily a bad thing, and there's a lot of, mm. like, transcendent things that can happen out of boringness um i just read the um we should probably talk about the movie in a second but i just read um directly but i just read the zadie smith essay about that work um the clock which is that art piece where the artist took um footage from hollywood movies from different movies and um oh i actually i watched a little bit of that yes oh you did yeah how was that for you? Well, I'll just explain to the listeners what it is. It's an art piece where um, it's 24 hours in a day, and every single minute basically has um, a shot of a clock displaying that time um, from a different movie. Uh, so it's a it's a clock made out of movies. So how was watching that for you? I really, I mean, I saw it when I was pretty young. It was, I think, it was at LACMA. Yeah. Um, the last time, like when I when I moved away from Los Angeles, so like. I didn't quite have, like, a love of boredom yet, but, like, I watched about 10 or 15 minutes of it, and it's just, like, it kind of lulls you, and it's it's both incredibly dull because you know exactly what's coming and incredibly exciting because you really don't know what's coming. Like, you know the content, but you don't know what movie, you don't, like, it's, I don't know, I had a good time. Yeah, for sure. What did she say? 
she says a few things about it. She says that um, it's the only, it's the first movie where time is real, right? So in every movie, time yeah. is fake, but in this movie, time is real. Um, and she also said that it made her realize the difference, that she could immediately tell when it was a Hollywood movie versus when it was a, like, quote-unquote foreign movie, because yeah. um, she was like, in a Hollywood movie, time moves incredibly fast. She has this line in the essay where she's like, in a Hollywood movie, an, an, a flight is like, you see the person checking in at customs, you see them having a cocktail on the plane, and you see them, like, in the next airport, right? And that's right. what a flight is, whereas whenever it was, like, a non-American movie, it, the time would be moving in a very different way. And it made her realize that when sometimes when people say they don't like to watch foreign movies, what they're saying is, I don't like to sit in a theater and feel time pass. Yeah. Um, which is super interesting, and that was something I was thinking a lot about when I was watching this movie. Um, which is, so now we will get to the summary portion of the podcast. <laughs> so this is a movie... Um, where it's it's a lot of um, shots of New York. At first, streets in New York with very few people, and then some more street scenes with more people in them. Um, but there's no dialogue or actual spoken lines that happen on camera. It's just shots of pla different places in New York, and then vo with voiceover of... Is it Chantal Ackerman herself reading them? Yeah. Yeah. Chantal Ackerman reading letters from her mother that her mother has sent from Belgium to her in New York. Um, and she doesn't read her own responses, she just reads her mother's letters. Um, I loved this movie a lot. I know, yeah. I know. It's kind of incredible. Like, I, I went to go see it, um, you know Eden. Mm -hmm. Eden and I went to go see it, um, like it was the first time we'd ever met, and we were, we went to go see it because it was screening late nights at Metrograph, mm -hmm. and we were like 20 minutes late, and I had no idea what we were getting into. It was yeah. like a total disaster, but then we got to the theater, and I was just like hypnotized. I mean, it's really, it's like, I, I think it's one of those things that, like, like any movie that's sort of very capacious, I hate to use that buzzword, but like sort of empty in a way that it's not pushing anything onto you like it really kind of takes you to emotional places that I don't think you expect to be taken to yeah for sure it, something so like boring yeah it gives you a lot of room to feel your own feelings yeah like what was your experience I, I don't know you probably like knew a little bit about it going into it but like seeing it for the first time like and the length of it and the sort of duration aspect like how did you feel yeah um well, I didn't know anything about it going into it. Um, I uh, I watched it in two sittings, which I feel like is kind of cheating because I feel like it is kind of a, a thing that you're a one experience that you're supposed to have. But um, you're fine. Um, yeah, my experience of it was well, and then the other thing was that I um, the version I spent a long time trying to be able to find a pirated version of it, and I eventually found a pirated version of it, but I found the subtitles separately, so they didn't sync up properly. So oh, that's a bummer. It's a bummer. So I would see the letter, and then I would hear her read it. So I didn't get the correct contrast of the image and and sound, but um, and words. But um, yeah, I don't know. My experience of it wasn't primarily about the duration of it. Maybe because I watched it in two sittings, but I um, it didn't feel long to me. Yeah, it felt like, and it didn't feel boring exactly either because I was very engaged in like her relationship with her mother and then also in like seeing New York in that yeah. period. Um, 
I was thinking a lot about New York, obviously. Yeah. yeah. It's impossible not to. I really, and I'm in this, so I'm in this, like, 1970s film class, which which has me watching a lot of movies. Like, we did a whole week on just movies about urban decay, and, Mm -hmm. like, New York City is, like, the corrupter of, you know, American values or whatever. Um, So it's fascinating to see this movie from the same time period that's literally just, like, I mean, I've seen it described as, like, an avant-garde documentary, because it really is just, like, taking in New York City, like, as it is at that time. Yeah. In a way, and it's so beautiful. It's so striking. It made me really, um, I don't know, like, I don't want to say nostalgic, but it just kind of, you're like, it's not to be like, I am the first person to say New York has changed, but like, yeah, yikes, it really, yeah, well, so it makes you miss it. Yeah, for sure. It made me feel that way too. It, it was a couple of things that I kept noticing. The first one was her choice to have the movie be so quiet. Um, at first yeah. I was like, oh, she's cheating. She's just doing like early mornings when there's no one on the street. But then she would have like the subway or like Midtown in the middle of the day and it would still be quiet, but it wasn't silent. So I don't understand yeah. how she achieved that. Um, <laughs> she clearly like threw away any footage where anyone like said anything, right? So it's all. I also, I mean, I get the sense that maybe even because the camera is so. I mean, it's definitely there, and people, one of my favorite parts of the movie is when people are, like, interacting with the camera, or, like, staring straight at the camera, and, yeah. like, it's very unsettling, yeah. but I get the sense that maybe to make it a little less obtrusive, she, like, recorded separate sound and synced up things that maybe were similar. Oh, that um, makes sense. Because, like, like, there are things that don't quite, I mean, it's because it's so quiet, or maybe she recorded only some certain bits but there are such long stretches of silence like yeah on the train especially i can't imagine that like no one would be talking for that long hmm. i don't know i feel like i've been on the subway for 15 minutes and had no one say anything yeah maybe i'm just I, i'm just constantly listening to podcasts maybe i'm not actually like riding the train the way that it, right i don't know I, another thing i want to say is mm-hmm. just to get it out there this is a step this is a podcast season on the 1970s yeah and this is the movie very much about how people were much sexier back then oh for sure big hot movie for sure it's so cool because it's like when you see stuff from the olden days it's always like wow people put so (laughs) much effort into there in the olden days yeah people it's always like like you know like the 50s or whatever it's like people put so much effort into their hair and like they're wearing such complicated clothes but in this movie it's new york in the summer in the 70s it's like people are not wearing that much clothes Everyone yeah. looks normal except better. Yeah. Um, and then, like, it's mostly just, like, normal people wearing, like, clothes you could see nowadays. And then every now and then it's, like, a dude in bell bottoms with a, with the big hair. And it's, like, I love you, dude. Like, I love you, man. Yeah, for real. There's so a guy good. at one point wearing, like, a cherry crop top, like, a white shirt with, like, cherries on it. Yeah. And just, like, blue jeans. And it's such a look. Um really special the main thing that the movie made me feel was like right like i'll be the first person ever to say it new york has changed like but also like the idea of what a city is and how a city works yeah has changed right because it's like in like all the stores all the storefronts that we see in the movie simply Uh. have signs that advertise what they sell 
Like there's yeah. a there's a stand selling hot dogs in the subway, and it simply has a sign that says Frankfurters. Or like you'll go by a jewelry side. store. Yeah, you'll go by a jewelry store, and it'll be like we sell and buy jewelry, and like that's what all the storefronts are. And it's yeah. not like like quip, like it's not like weird. <laughs> it's not like there's no branding. Like branding hasn't been invented yet. It was like a big thing I kept feeling um, that this is like a this is like a city that is coming right at the end of industrial capitalism and not yet in post-industrial capitalism. Yeah. And so like the like commerce and the kind of uh, way that the city's economy functions, it just works completely differently. Yeah. Um, and it's not totally about, everything isn't about like real estate values. Like all the stores aren't just basically like ways to inflate the real estate value of the area which is how yeah. I feel being in New York now. Yeah, I mean, there's one there's one sign that says, um, it's like around, it looks like it's Soho, but I'm not entirely sure because Soho is now like unrecognizable. Yeah. But it just says New York Egg Auction. What is and that? I, really, I would love to go to the egg auction. Take me there. I know, I saw that and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> uh, we really, I think that, the downward turn began when the New York egg auction turned into an Equinox gym. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I could know, I could recognize most places. Like, immediately I was like, okay, yeah, we're in, like, Harlem now. Or, like, we're in... Right. Um, we're in Soho, or we're in, like, the, the Upper West Side, or, you know, we're in... We were in the meatpacking district at one point with the yeah. meat racks. Anyway, yeah. What do you think is your favorite location that... Like, what was your the shot where you were like, oof? Hmm, it's a good question. I think, what is the, how does it end? Like, what are the ending shots about? Um, you have the car driving up what I believe is 12th Avenue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have the boat leaving yeah. from, like, well, South Ferry. The boat leaving from South Ferry was, like, the shot that affected me the most, probably. Um, of course, yeah. I, I really liked the shot of the boys playing stickball. Yeah. Um, that was really nice. I think that might have been my favorite. And it was like a, it was like one of those, um, like very steep hills that's like on the on the west side of Harlem. I feel like yeah. like near Riverside Drive, there are those very steep inclines. Right. Um, and I was like, I feel like I've been on that street, and I've never seen boys playing stickball there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. It's stupid to be nostalgic for New York in the seventies, but I am. I know. I know. It's. But part of me feels like if there's anything that kind of, I mean, if there's anything, which probably there's not, but if there's anything that, like, earns that kind of credibility, especially because this is so unflashy, because it is just so, like, this is how it is, you know? Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like, I don't know, Goodfellas or, I don't know. Right. Anyway. It feels real. It feels real, and it just feels, it's sort of, it's kind of filled with that, like, when you, like, when you move to the city, and it's, like, at once totally magical, and, like, completely lonely, and, like, sad, yeah. and just that, that feeling of alienation from this place, like, yeah. being kind of a ghost in this place. Yeah. That I feel like... I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, it must have been so incredibly difficult to move here, like, and not speak the language, yeah. and, like, not know anybody, and just try to, like, live. Yeah. 
yeah, I guess when you put it that way, it makes perfect sense that this is the movie that she would make because she, if she doesn't speak English yet really well, then she can't really make a movie with English dialogue in it. So she's making a movie about her experience of living there, which is walking around New York and then also her letters from her mother, right? It, it, it makes kind of sense, but it is also like a brilliant thing to do with that experience. Yeah. I just think it's so, it drives home the point of like any, like any way of seeing is going to be personal. Yeah. Even if it's, this is a movie that sort of from the outset seems kind of impersonal or like the way that it's structured, even though it like, it obviously has letters from her mother, like it's just like static shots of New York city, but you really like feel like the sense that these are important places to her. And these are places where she like spent a lot of time or yeah. spent a lot of time looking. And just even the fact that the look is so long, mm-hmm. like I think you develop a similar kind of relationship as she must have had with those places, you know? Yeah. Just when you're staring at the screen for that long, you start to be like looking at all the different faces of the people or like noticing little details in the buildings or just like taking breaths that seem to line up somehow with the flow of the shot. You know, like, did you ever notice that you were like, I bet the shot's going to cut away now. And then it like did. Yeah, I think so. I think I had a sense of that. I feel like there's an editing rhythm to this, especially Mm -hmm. that like, feels so natural yeah but also right it's like we're seeing we're seeing it from her perspective obviously in a literal sense but also like the fact that she has a camera and so we are in the place of the person with the camera and everyone is regarding us with hostility and suspicion because people don't like to be filmed um (laughs) without being asked uh like definitely puts you outside of the the scenes with people right it definitely like alienates you from those scenes which like I don't know, gives you an outside, makes you feel like you are both seeing them and in them and also outside of them. Yeah. Um, in a way that I maybe reflects how she felt. Yeah. At the screening at Metrograph that I went to, like, there were a couple moments when, like, people would be staring straight into the camera for, like, an extended period of time and the audience would start, like, cracking up because yeah. it's, like, so alien and funny and, like... Yeah. To just outright hostility to this action that is I don't know like obviously recording people without their consent is like probably not great but like that she like it's just like literally a static shot of a subway train yeah I don't know I think the ways that different people respond is so lovely and the shot selections like the people who draw your eye like you get a sense that like, Ackerman has kind of a relationship with them. Yeah. Like, it. there are times when the shots feel very loving or it feels like she has a big affection for, like, the main focus of of it. Like, the woman sitting on the chair in the street in early in the film. Um, or there's, like... There's that couple uh, across the platform in 59th Street who are, like, oh, being yeah. so affectionate with each other. Uh, they loved. And they sort of sometimes creep behind the pole or like then they come back out like it's so romantic yeah Yeah. um Um, you go what was i gonna say oh i just i remember there was this she has this other movie called she has like her other sort of big famous movie is sean dealman which is like yes a five hour long like 
domestic kind of like slow cinema movie about the life a day in the life of this of, of like a housewife who is based on her mother right and in that movie she makes a point about how like the camera is like she like like the, the like how you know how in like film theory like the camera is like a penetrative object like yeah you know like the gaze is like coded very masculine but yeah. in her work like the camera becomes kind of a domestic object like any domestic object mm. like a kitchen appliance or something like she like takes it into like i don't know like the home realm in a world that i and in a way that i think is really lovely and i don't know I, like maybe i'm just i'm just reading too much onto it but it like it feels like this movie is a little bit doing that too i don't know how i can't quite express what i'm saying well but. yeah it's a different um it's an unusual relationship between subject and filmmaker right yeah in that the subjects are all being filmed without their consent but not without their knowledge um yeah because often in a documentary people will either like the filmmakers will either have gotten permission from the people to film them or they'll be filming them kind of secretly um right like the like the um errol morris like he came up with a whole apparatus to literally shroud the camera so that right. like, no one can see the camera yeah um yeah and so in this movie it's that um it's that the she's being very confrontational and aggressive in a certain way but she's also not and then the other thing is that she's not following people around like she's not filming individual people she's just has her static camera and so it's clear to people that if they don't want to be filmed they can just leave but at the same time it is very aggressive because she is like i'm here with my camera and i'm filming you i would have if I were her, I would have been nervous that someone was going to get angry and like start fighting with me and smash up the camera, you know? Yeah, like, it's it, it's terrifying just like filming strangers. Yeah, I mean, she. I would have hoped that she would have had like a crew with her, or I like get the sense that she did. Maybe not. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any lighting or anything. Yeah. Um, I wonder what she shot it with. Like, I wonder what kind of camera. Like, do you think it was a tripod setup? It, it must seems have been. it seems like it's steady enough that it has to be a tripod at certain points. Right. Um. Yeah. I once mm. I saw this um art exhibit. Uh, I think it was this French guy who had his thing was like um. He took photos of people on the train. He like took photos oh. of strangers on the train. Um. You know, because he was like, I don't know, see strangers, see people, and not an opposed naturalism. Right. Uh, and the thing that I noticed is, like, three-quarters of them were sleeping, which wasn't part of his, um, like, intended statement, artist statement. Uh, he just took pictures of people who were sleeping uh, because it was easier. And then oh. virtually all of them were women, which also wasn't part of his intended artist statement. So um, he, <laughs> he set out to do this thing where he was like, I'm going to do this thing that's very, like, risky and aggressive. And then he was so much of a coward that he only took pictures of women who were sleeping right. because he didn't want to risk confrontation and he wanted to have the power in the situation. And I was like, wow, talk about not really thinking through. 
Jesus, talk about like telling doing. on yourself unintentionally. Yeah, for real. And this, yeah, that was another thing I was thinking about with this is like she is very much not trying to be, she both is and isn't aggressive in what she's doing regarding others, yeah. other people. Um, like she's, uh, she's very much like I'm here and I'm filming and you have to negotiate around that but also I'm not directly filming any of you and I'm not targeting anyone specifically I'm just here filming whoever's around right and actually like the more the the more you don't recede into the scene the more I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, the more confrontational you are, the more visible you are, obviously. Right. You get to choose how big a part of this you are. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't really, like, explain. I think it's so lovely. Yeah. It just makes me, I really did, like, I watched it early this morning. I watched it late last night and early this morning. I just did kind of drift in and out. Like I would like, I would just, I was just kind of lolling off. I don't know. For sure. Um, I feel like we should talk and, about the, sorry, finish what you're saying. No, no, I don't have anything. I feel like we should talk about the letters. Um, yes. We haven't really yeah. talked about those yet. Um, it's first of all, Chantal Ackerman is Jewish. So that clarified some stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be like, invoking a cliche but I was like okay because the voice of the voice of her mother reminded me so much of my grandmother um who is like a European Jew of Chantal Ackerman's mother's generation right and so like the just everything about the anxiety about not hearing from her right the like darling thank you for sending me a letter but I would like for you to write a little bit more that she writes in every single letter the like Oh, you're learning English. Oh, that's good. That'll come in handy. Please tell me more about you. Right, the kind of the um, the real hunger for like details and information, and also yeah. the the kind of um, which I guess maybe is like a, a a generic motherly thing, but the um focus on on the details of her life at home also right, the kind of listing off of details of everyone's health and like how yeah. the shop is going and like the way that she shows care, being that she um, right like. Uh, gives all these details and like mixes in details about her her mood with details about their life that are very quotidian yeah. and then also demands details and information from her um was I thought very very sweet and also reminded me a lot of of my grandmother yeah I mean I think the movie is like about that kind of guilt of yeah. like well and it's like I mean I don't I don't I can't speak personally to it but like the guilt of like leaving like it's so it's so strange that she doesn't speak in this movie you know yeah like that only her mother speaks and you just get the sense of this anxiety but it's met with this kind of like silence or um i just think like a lot of her movies are about her mother and her relationship with her mother and like intergenerational trauma I, i i i believe her mother was a holocaust survivor Probably. And it's like just the kind of feeling of constantly needing, because she is a filmmaker, to go to international film festivals and be away and make movies in other places. And the anxiety about leaving 
her mother, who she has this kind of tenuous relationship with, but who she loves so much, and like, how can she ever do justice to her? And like, yeah, how can she make a movie containing like all of the feelings that she has for her? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, like the letter. Yeah, so they were they were Holocaust survivors from Poland. Wow, same. And then uh, they immigrated to Belgium. Mm. Got it. She was the older sister of Sylviane Ackermann, her only sibling. Her mother had survived Auschwitz, where her own parents were murdered. From her from a young age, Ackermann and her mother were exceptionally close. And she encouraged her daughter to pursue a career rather than marry young. Word. Yeah. Um, that was another thing, is that, like, I know that Ackerman was gay, or is gay? Is she still alive? No, she died, um... In 2012, or 2015. Yeah, it's believed that she committed suicide. Right. Okay. Wow, well... Yeah. May her memory be a blessing, um, but she, um... What was I saying? Yeah, so the fact that she was gay also was, like, a thing that didn't seem like a huge part of it, but did seem like a thing that was in the back of my mind, is, like, she would be talking about, like, you know, cousins who were dating and, like, people who were getting married and then going to weddings, and she never asked about Chantel's, like, relationships at all. Right. She was never like, are yeah. you seeing anyone? <laughs> and so it felt very, like, this thing of where you know your kid is gay and you just, you're you're okay with holding that information, but you don't want any details. <laughs> right. Um, and that's probably part of the whole silence aspect is, like, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to do, like, a, as as reductive a reading as that, but, like, and that's just one part of it, of, like, having this other life that you really either can't or don't know how to, like, share with your parents, you yeah. know? Yeah, absolutely. And it felt a lot like, right, it felt like the, the dramatic tension of the movie was her mother's demand for information and her feeling like the information that I have is that I'm walking around New York and it's so vast and silent and uncontainable and I don't know yeah. how to describe it to you. Yeah. Um. And the, the, the things you're telling me about your life in Belgium are so, like, uh, fixed within, like, codified social rules and so easy to describe for that reason. Even when there are difficult things happening, there are things that are describable, whereas my life is so alien and vast and strange that I don't know what words to use. Yeah. Um, like, I, I'm sure you would understand it if I knew how to describe it to you, but I just don't, I don't know how. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm seeing here that um, the sound was recorded separately. Okay. But was added later. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's the Times Square subway station. It's the, the drive is the 10th Avenue drive in Hell's Kitchen, which I I used to walk that stretch. Mm -hmm. Like when I was working at the Playwrights Horizons, I like would walk that almost every single day. Right. Um, and somewhere in Tribeca and on the ship was the Staten Island Ferry. Got it. That it's crazy. Like, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. Like the New York City skyline is really incredible, or was. Now it's kind of, I don't know, ugly. But it was probably ugly then too. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. City skylines are both incredible and ugly. Um. I thought that it was the 50, what, that place with all the blue columns. I thought that was at 59th Street. Is that in Times Square? Maybe. 
I'm I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't this, matter. I don't think this this article lists all of the locations, yeah. but just some of them. Anyway. Um yeah, I wonder if the letters were read in chronological order. It seems like they kind of were. It it seems that way, yeah. I never had I any like Sorry, sorry. What you I never had any doubt that they were real. Like Yeah. You know. No, because they're exactly as like mundane and kind of I don't know, repetitive and unexciting as like those conversations often are. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if she like selected letters though out of the sure. many that her mother sent her. Yeah. Um I'm sorry, I, I, I'm kind of speechless about this one. It really just hits me. Yeah. It's it's a it's a lovely movie and it's like very simple. <laughs> um, okay. Now on to Seth. Yeah. Have you seen The Lighthouse? Yeah. What do you think about it? I did see The Lighthouse. How are those boys doing? So I went to see The Lighthouse with Jolene. Um and from Twitter. Oh, you did? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And I think she and I both liked it, and we were both like, well, don't know what that was about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, so his other movie that I've seen is The the Vavitch, right? <laughs> the Vavitch, And yes. I hated The Vavitch with I a passion. Too. You hated it, too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank Not God. Good. I felt my... So let's talk about that for a minute. My feeling about the Vavitch was none of these are distinct characters and they're boring. Yes. And also to make a movie about the Salem witch trials, which is about how there were real witches who were possessed by the real devil is just indescribably offensive. And you shouldn't make that kind of a movie. Yeah. It's like, I didn't really see the kind of like, I don't know. I, I just kind of was left with nothing. I just think it's kind of, like boring and abhorrent and not actually trying to investigate what it says it's set out to investigate you know yeah um and i loved chris fleming's instagram story about the boy's hat (laughs) his gap beanie (laughs) fucking hipster ass daniel day lewis nonsense it's i liked that I liked that Chris Fleming Instagram story too. You could tell to me when you looked at that hat that actually the costume department just knitted a hat for him. Um, but <laughs> but it is extremely reminiscent of yeah knitwear today. Yeah, for um, sure. Okay, I'm back gonna, to go ahead. I'm gonna pause one second because I do need to plug in my laptop because it is about to die. I'll Great. be right back. We can cut this out. Go for it. You know we're not gonna cut this out. <laughs> when have we ever cut anything out that we said we were gonna cut out? Listeners, if we didn't mention this already, Tom is um, in the hallway of the chemistry department at the university that he attends. And in the background of our Skype call, I can see a uh, cork board with flyers on it. And at the top, it says in a, in a, a Microsoft Word font, Department of Chemistry. So it's very kind of, um, uh, what's the word? A lot of telling and not showing happening in this film that is our Skype call. And now he's in a different part of the hallway. All right, I'm back. Great. Thank you for holding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the lighthouse. Um, yes. So, um, yeah, so The Witch was his movie about women, and this is his movie about men. <laughs> um, 
And men, women are bitches, men are lighthouse men. Men are wikis is the word, which I don't know if are that's you? a real word, but in the movie they're called wikis. <laughs> Willem that's- Dafoe says, what made you want to be a wiki, son? Oh my god. Yeah, they really don't. They don't pull any punches. I have no. I have nothing to say. Yeah. So, so basically, the lighthouse is not a good movie. Um, okay. It's. I mean, okay. So it's like a really enjoyable movie, and I was screaming the whole. It's really like so. Okay. So I feel that Twitter, film Twitter, and gay Twitter yeah. are destroying cinema because yeah. there is this thing where it's like when someone throws a plate or or screams at someone in a very dramatic way and it's very memeable and it's very like me when the uber <laughs> driver is late or some abhorrent thing that the gays of twitter want to say yeah. and just like use a gif of it that that is becoming like what prestige drama is yeah um, it's uh, it's actually really fascinating yeah. Like, I wonder, I, maybe I've said this to you before, but I actually do, and I think these are two remarkable, incredible, like, nearly perfect movies, and I know that that's, like, middle-brow of me to say, but I think that they are, first performed in Phantom Thread. Yeah. But I wonder how much of the success of those movies is due to the fact that they are so gifable, you know? Like, first per- First performed not as way. much as Phantom but Thread. But it's become... It, it is has the same kind of darling status as Phantom Thread on the internet. The A twenty four fandom is a very creepy thing. I think it makes me really sad and end up sad. Yeah, I'm always like, what if it was two thousand eight and there was like a Fox Searchlight Films fandom? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, yes, Jerry Bruckheimer stands. Right. Stand it's up. like, it's like, this is just bad. It's just a bad cultural. And so it's for me, it's like. This is like true with Big Little Lies. It's like I really liked Big Little Lies, the first season more than the second season, but I really liked it. But I hated the way people talked about it. Yeah. I hated that it was like this show about domestic violence is is basically being talked about the way desperate or the way that the Real Housewives is talked about. Right. You know, where it's like, look at these women like screaming, "Yes, Queen!" Like it was so creepy. Yeah. Um, and I feel I don't know. yeah. It, but part of that makes me feel like. A chump, you know, like, because I know that these people, like, these filmmakers are self-conscious and they know what they're doing. And, yeah. like, I think that a lot of the time they are making these movies so that they are memeable, you know? Like, that's on their mind. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. I felt that way about Claire Denis had this movie called High Life that was uh-huh. about, like, like violence and, like... Sexual, like sexual violence and prisons and it like it was awful and like yeah. almost unbearable to watch but like it became this kind of big joke because there's like common space and like yeah but i know that that's what she's actually trying to do she's trying to court that kind of like absurd absurd drama to the point of hilarity yeah so then maybe i'm the bad one i, I don't know yeah well it's it's so much fun to make jokes on Twitter. Uh, yeah. But maybe it's an, 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 an evil act. Um, there's, and then, okay, and then just to name a couple more examples, I feel this way about Succession. I can't bear Succession. I find it abhorrent. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate it, and I hate to be reminded that it exists. And I feel like the thing that is appealing about it is this precise thing of, like, watch these grown-ups 
like spit at each other and act like children and it's like yeah. reality tv drama but acted by really good actors yeah um is how i feel and then i saw parasite yesterday and i was mm-hmm. like that was a great movie and i am disturbed by the way it's being talked about because it was absolutely really really difficult to watch yeah and really upsetting and people aren't talking about it as like people aren't really talking about the content of it so much people are just saying like it's a great movie um, and it is a great movie, but it's very, very disturbing. So I, I'm just disturbed by this whole thing of like really disturbing media about very dark things or about people behaving really badly turning into like memes. Is what I have to say. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, but I kind of feel like I don't know. I was one of the people like at our screening of Parasite, which I went to go see this week, like the audience was uproarious. People were laughing. And like, it is a funny movie. Yeah. It's like, it's because it's so bombastic in a way, but also extremely upsetting. Like, I, I I don't know. I don't want to be the person to be like, don't laugh. Like, I I never, because that's also, it's a response that can mean so many different things. It can like, like it's such an involuntary i'm also like in this goddamn yes i'm doing this right now i'm in this samuel beckett class where we're talking a lot about laughter yeah and laughter in response to like the abject state of humanity yeah and i don't know like but I, i think it's the difference between like laughter and kind of smirking meme response like, yeah with that feels very calculated and not just like a kind of gut response yeah for sure there's a difference i think between laughing in the theater when something is funny because there are a lot of funny things in parasite for sure and there it's supposed to be funny i think but then there's a difference between laughing in the theater because that's your gut response and then like turning the movie into a joke you're absolutely right yeah that's the difference um but it's hard to know it's hard to like the internet doesn't lend itself to just saying sincere things like this is a wonderful movie about class and I recommend that you see it because it's it's really good and very upsetting like <laughs> that's not a good tweet you know so it's like yeah. anyway I hate, no I hate to be curmudgeonly but like it, that's like why when you find a film critic or like just any kind of critic who like whose work you really trust and who like is able to talk about these things without having them be silly goofball time. Like, I think it's a valuable thing. For sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I don't think that's curmudgeonly. I think that's valid. Um, All of this is to say The Lighthouse. Yes. The Lighthouse is that type of movie. It is a movie where it has no real substance at the center of it, and the point of it is just for people to scream about it on Twitter. Um, That said... um, I enjoyed it a lot. I think <laughs> Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, these are the roles they were born to play. Uh, each God. of them. Um, the That's the thing, yeah. is they're so hot. I just don't know how I'm not going to see it. You're going to see it. Like, you're going to see it. Um, and you're going to like it. Um, okay. <laughs> um, it's, yeah... Um, any time when it would try to, like, be deep in any way, I would be like, shut up, dude. Like, this is not <laughs> deep. Like, this is about these two handsome men fighting. Um, back to them. Yeah, back, back to, to the them. Um, and it's, like, the other thing about it that was so weird for me was, like, 
it was a movie about people doing really difficult manual labor in the 19th century, but it looked like a perfume ad at moments because Robert Pattinson is like so fit. (laughs) He's like a movie star. And so it would be like, watch Robert Pattinson, like, you know, carrying an oil drum up the stairs, but he looks like an underwear model. And it was like, what, what am I supposed to be? And it was so weird because it was like, obviously the characters took their jobs really seriously or like, you know, appreciated the difficulty of the work that they were doing. And so it was like, am I supposed to feel bad that I think this is stupid because these men are working so hard at their jobs in the lighthouse? Like, (laughs) it was so, it was such a like a fetishization. It was, it looked like gay porn. It was right. It was like, it was like, oh, look at these men doing these serious, difficult manual tasks. And like, this is serious and you should feel bad that you think this is just a silly silly pornographic vision of working class masculinity i don't know and then like the the outfits it was so weird because it was like a period drama about things that are fashionable now right it was like say 19th century sailors look at their fun sweaters and overalls yeah um yeah it feels like a movie made in rather bad faith and like kind of trying to entrap the audience into being like you're bad for thinking these things while like espousing the very beliefs that it like purports to criticize for sure um it's such a weird thing of like people and it's queer baiting right it's a i'll say it it's queer baiting um right and um uh it's such a weird thing of like this movie wants to be a movie based on a novel written in the 19th century adapted into a movie in the 1940s but it's not it's an original movie made in 2019 so yeah, it, it wants to have that kind of like credibility, but it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just kind of empty behind. Yeah, and it's like, why not go all the way and have them fuck if it if you have no if you have no Hayes Code and no real nineteenth century novel? <laughs> yeah, why not? I think I I don't have an answer. Yeah, so I'm gonna get was... Robert Eggers come on the pod. Yeah, I have some questions for him. Okay, so that was a really long answer to your question about the lighthouse. Oh, I love it. I, it's for me. It's between seeing um, what I am shamefully going to say. I probably will like the Irishman. That's okay. Or, or Marriage Story, which I also shamefully might am in danger of liking, which is worse. Or lighthouse those are the three that i still need to see yeah all films are bad yeah it's kind of like if i'm going to see a movie made in 2019 made by an american director most likely it will be bad yeah and that's fine i think that all movies should end as parasite did or not end but all movies should feature um a flood that destroys the characters' houses. Um, yeah. Oh my god. The shot of the daughter sitting on the toilet smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Like that like so stunning and lovely. Yeah. And horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Really upsetting movie. I love him. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Oak any Jenna. of his, his other movies. What'd you say? I haven't seen any of his other movies. Dude. You haven't seen Snowpiercer? No, I haven't seen Snowpiercer. Oh, uh, literally next season we do only South Korean cinema. That sounds great to me. That sounds actually awesome. Do you want to do that? 
Sure. Yeah. I don't. I won't be a very informed. I can't name a South Korean movie. So. Um. Okay. It's it's tentatively on the books. I'm very excited. Great. Sounds good. Um. Well, folks, after that tangent, I think that does it for us. That does it for us. Um, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna watch more Chantal Ackerman movies now. Yeah, seriously. No Home Movie is one of her last movies, and it's really amazing. Word. Nice. Um, and, like, we should get a club together. We should just sit down and do all four and a half hours of Jean Dielman. Yeah. Do it. I would love that. Me too, because I feel like I won't do it if I have to do it alone, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, okay, listening. Have a good week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.